Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. Consider this your weekly reminder about submissions. We're right at the apex now, which means that portal will start to wane any day. If you've been holding off or sidetracked with other things, it's time to kick into high gear and start gazing toward the finish line. Because the end of our submissions period has a funny way of sneaking up when you least expect it. You've got a few weeks at least, though, so don't worry. Visit TalesToTerrify.com slash submissions for everything you need to know. Our special shout-out this week goes to Cheryl Jones. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for your support on Patreon. The swirling shadows just wouldn't be as dark without you. We... And they appreciate it so much. Before we dive into this week's story, I also wanted to give you a heads up that Jimmy Horrors, friend of the podcast and contributing narrator, has included a familiar guest voice on the Night's End podcast this week. That, of course, would be yours truly. Not that you should need any more of an excuse to listen to Night's End, 
other than it's a fantastic show that should already be on your regular listening roster. But if you'd like to hear a little more of me in a slightly different setting, why not slide over when you're done here and check it out? It's a sinister little tale of murder with a decidedly noir tone. Take a listen. There's a link in the show notes. But, of course, before you do, let's explore a little darkness of our own, shall we? We have one tale for you this evening, which comes from S.H. Mansuri. S.H. Mansuri is a writer of all things fiction, a graduate of the UCR Palm Desert Low Residency MFA program, and a certified Red Bull addict. He's published something like 30 short stories, written three novellas, three novels, and his new speculative fiction collection, Spare Parts, was released this summer by Atreyu Press. You can find him on Twitter at ShamanWrites. Children of the Night, join me for S.H. Mansouri's No Contact Delivery, a Tales to Terrify original. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jude figures there are pictures of his red CRV on at least a dozen cell phones tonight. Of his license plate, slumped silhouette, and maybe some gleary shots of tinted windows he wishes weren't so dark right now. It's too dark already, going on 9 p.m. Fall back an hour time of the year, with peak pay for gig workers like him having started 30 minutes ago. Peak pay. What a joke. 
millennial code for an extra buck a drop-off. He'll get home way after the rug rat is knocked, and that's fine. Kid is used to it by now. Acclimated. Has a big surprise to get early in the morning anyway. The circus. Probably thinks his dad is a vampire. It'll blow his socks off, Jude imagines. And Marcy will have a good time too. What with all the popcorn and cotton candy they'll eat. It's the pink ones Marcy likes, he recalls dutifully. One or over with a fluffy stick of it 30 long years ago. Best 250 he ever spent. For now, though, unless he wants his brains to end up looking like a pink cloud smushed against the foggy windshield, Jude needs to pay attention to the road. It's raining. No, better. God wants him to fail tonight, to crash. That's it. Fuel for the fire. Combination tinted windows at night, glasses he hasn't updated the prescription to since the last 9 to 5 he held down ages ago, when he had the insurance to update them, and headlights from oncoming traffic leave him teetering on the edge of legally blind. He can see where he's going if he watches the painted lines and reflectors, though. Swerving on a squint and a prayer to make sure someone eats tonight, something gets dropped off, preferably still hot. Not like that whopper of an order he got last week, the one that felt like 20 pounds of frozen meat riding shotgun. $200 payout for that gruesome beauty. Too rich to decline and send back out into the ether. Just poor enough to keep him company. Keep the lights on at home. So how'd you end up in the box? He'd ask the dead weight last week. He'd do that sometimes. Shoot the breeze with the grub. You're too light to be a whole person. What's that? Oh, I see. Just your arms and legs then. Bummer. It's worth it. The eye strain, the uncertainty, being seen as suspect. He needs the money. Needs another huge payout order, like the one he got last week to flash across the Dash app on his cell right now. Latitude and longitude only. Coordinates. A big no-no when it comes to dashing safely. Jude parks, hits the hazards, and sets $40 worth of chili dogs in a brown paper bag on a kitty table right next to the customer's front door. Door swings outward, meaning, if Jude sets the bag on the welcome mat, it'll get squashed when the chili dog eater emerges, and he'll get dinged a full rating point for failing to follow instructions, even though the door thing is something you only learn by killing said dogs a few times. After the drop, he pulls back into his usual spot and waits for it. The big one. Come on, kid needs this. He doesn't blame the security guards, riding on their glorified golf carts with orange flashing lights, the ones taking pictures and watching empty parking lots for suspicious activity. They're only doing their jobs, trying to get paid too, crows picking at wet bones together. You could say Jude might do the same thing if he were in their shoes. Spot a hooded guy behind the wheel of an idling car near the loading docks of a grocery store known to have been closed weeks ago, in the middle of the night when you're only out because you're an essential worker or a disease vector spreading Dahmer disease. Low beams on sinister mode. Smoke snaking up from a cracked down window. Occasionally sipping from a giant silver something that could be a Bud Light tall can. It's not. Or an energy drink. You might document the scene as well. Make a call upstairs. Jude wouldn't need to take pictures though. Because Jude would never be caught dead in rent-a-cop shoes. It's the road he likes. The flexible hours, the freedom to fall asleep behind the wheel if he so chooses. The only pictures he's taking tonight are of porches, brown paper takeout bags, 
Curb addresses sprayed on too thin, impossible to read thanks to zealous street sweepers and stray trash cans in the way. Mailboxes, too, if they're fancy enough. Those red barn deals, or seesaw partners making nice. Maybe hands, as they reach out to grab what's been waiting in his hot bag. Deletes the hand pictures when he gets home. Keeps the others for evidence. Someone always wants a free meal, at the expense of his account getting deactivated. Want to ground him. So he sends the pics out to corporate. The ether. Whatever that is. As long as there's proof that he did his job. A pixelated paper trail. Who cares where they go? Another order comes in. Ding, ding. Another monster with munchies craving hot wings at this ungodly hour. Anything that goes in a fryer is going to take 20 minutes at least. Plus prep. Payout is 850. Distance is 12 miles. Jude pinch zooms the map on his phone. Sees the drop-off as an apartment complex. No gate code. Can't read the layout map at this pitch hour. 200 units packed like sardines and a brightly colored tin advertising low mercury levels. What a mess. Sends it back out for some sucker working four jobs to pay child support to snatch up. Someone will take it eventually, but it won't be Jude. No, Jude's waiting for Ahab's bane, the whale. Forty minutes drip by. Time enough for a two-miler of cheeseburgers paying a Hamilton. Then, just as he's about to call it a night, it comes. Ding, ding. It's a merchant order, so Jude can't check the number of items, even though it clearly says one. One can mean 100 when it comes to corporate order privilege. Pick up his coordinates only, a huge red flag, but the payout's 500 this time. Jude rings the leather steering wheel cover, pulls the emergency brake free, and throws his high beams on. If the pickup spot looks anything like it did last week, visibility is crucial. Instructions call for lots of trunk space. The thing about picking up an order like this, one with coordinates only and no real address, is that customers use it to pull the wool over your eyes, leave you deactivated and huffing spray paint inside your hot bag to forget how gullible you were. Initially, the order has an address. Once you pick up, though, the customer will either shoot you a text or call you, tell you they're not actually at the address listed on the app, and could you please deliver to a new destination? Almost always coordinates to the middle of nowhere. If you're not up to speed on standard protocol, deliver only to the address listed on the app. You're up shit creek without a paddle. You'll show up, sure, and the customer will be there and thank you profusely for going out of your way because they forgot to update their app information. And then, exactly five minutes after you drive away, you'll get a failed-to-deliver notification from corporate. Someone gets a free meal, and you get deactivated for breach of contract. That's some cold-blooded shit to do for free food. But Jude is a veteran. He's not falling for that old trick. The reason he knows that this one is legit is, he's been had before. Hard. Instead of burying his head in the sand and taking the hit, though, Jude opted for confrontation. Another red flag that'll get you deactivated. If someone reports you, that is. Old habits dying hard and all. He'd gotten the corporate notification and decided to drive to the original address listed on the app, waited for the two guys to show up with their spoils, laughing and ribbing each other as they strolled across the apartment complex parking lot with two bags of his precious time in their sweaty red hands his drive through dignity, and confronted them. Why'd you lie? He said, 
more statement than question in his tone. They tried to step around him, keep their heads down, ignore, act as though he were a talking streetlight. Listen, Jude said, pulled a small knife which Marcy had made him promise to keep strapped around his belt when he dashed, a mossy oak six-incher from Amazon, free shipping. You can have the food, I don't care. You played me, and that's all well and good. Bravo, but you got me fucking deactivated. He slid his left foot back, faced him southpaw, sidelong, fencing time, stick and move. What? One of the guys said, and handed his bag to his buddy, like a schoolyard kid does his backpack before a scrap. Jude flicked his knife at the guy, made to lunge. I just handed you those bags 20 minutes ago. Don't act stupid. We've met. Say the food was cold. Say it was late. Hell, say I even ate your fries. But don't ever say I failed to deliver. Jude called customer service and handed his cell phone to the guy he had at knife point. Whispered to him, You're gonna fix this. Don't fuck with the beans on my table. And the guy did. He said the food was cold. Said that Jude looked intoxicated. Had an attitude stank, and half the food was gone by the time they got it, but it was delivered. It was delivered, goddammit, and that's all that mattered. Jude blacklisted the original address and kept it pushing without having to spill any blood that night. He still wondered if he had it in him, though, if he really would have stuck the guy for getting him fired. Probably. He did promise to come back and haunt the two of them for eternity if they reported him. They never did. This order the one that Jude thinks of as Ahab's Bane, is legit because it has no original address, looks like a 40-minute drive out to the Sticks, some private lab, and that's just what it looked like last week. He can almost smell the popcorn and cotton candy his Marcy and the kid will be enjoying tomorrow morning, see the smiles on their faces when they realize they can finally afford some fun for once. A woman wearing a white hazmat suit, hood down, knocks on the passenger window when he arrives. Jude stretches his surgical mask on like a painted smile and rolls the window down. Did you read the instructions? The woman asks flatly. He hasn't, not fully. Same as last time? He asks. Last time? The woman says and steps away from the passenger window, fast. No, wait, Jude says, then brings his cell to within inches of his face, studies the instructions carefully. The woman approaches cautiously, peeks in through the back window, checking for lots of trunk space, maybe. It says, no speaking to the package? Jude reads off the instructions on his screen. The woman nods. Pop the back, she says. Jude does. And help me roll it out, she finishes, then briskly walks to what looks like a garage door joined to the main building, opens it remotely. Jude keeps his lights on and hops out, takes in his surroundings quick. A muddy clearing surrounded by trees. A concrete building with two smokestacks chuffing what must be sulfur. The rotten egg smell fills the air. A second story dimly lit. And this woman in a hazmat suit, Dolly rolling a wooden crate over to his open hatch. Thanks a lot, she says, sets the dolly upright. At least help me slide it in. There goes my five-star rating, Jude thinks, and takes hold of the tipped-over top of the crate guides it safely inside the back of his CRV, has to collapse the back seats to get it in snug. The woman shuts the latch and smacks her palms together, 
dusts off responsibility. You're sure you read the instructions? She asks again, adamant. Jude thinks about saying, don't get it wet, no sunlight, and don't feed it after midnight, but decides that might drop him another rating point, put him at a lowly three stars and falling. Plus, he still has to get this thing to its final destination, another hoop to drive through. Yes, ma'am. She shakes her head, drops her hazmat hood down, and walks into the garage. Jude hits the dome light, twists around in his seat, and examines the crate. Maybe five by three feet, the kind of crate he imagines a valuable statue or ancient sculpture comes in. Probably tons of straw and styrofoam packed around the edges. Would have to use a crowbar to get it open. Nothing like the cold, 20-pound box he dropped off last week. That at least could ride with him, right up next to him. This, though, it's more like a coffin than a frozen friend. A slab of something sinister riding behind him in the dark, plotting, judging his taste in music, and pointing out all the shortcuts that don't exist. He adjusts his rear view, kills the dome light, and checks the instructions again. Handle with care. Show no mercy, no pity. This package is not to be spoken to or answered under any circumstance. Steal your mind. Drive safely. Again, do not make contact with the package. Bon appetit. D&D Laboratories. No biohazard sticker this time. No don't feed the animals warning. Jude lets his GPS lead the way. And listens. Halfway to the drop-off point, Jude notices that the GPS coordinates he's following are the same ones D&D Laboratories gave him last week, leading to a rundown playground about 25 miles north of where he'd picked up. Two lanes of nowhere to get there, the last stretch of which was unpaved, practically no homes around for miles, no light but from the moon and stars. That playground, at around this time of night last week, it was full of kids suffering from Dahmer disease. How Jude had known this was, those kids had jumped off the merry-go-round in a flash when they saw his headlights flooding the playground. Eyes bloodshot like they'd been awake for days, black-veined, and tore into that 20-pound box of frozen extremities he'd left behind as if it were a family pack of otter pops. Screw the plastic covering. They ate it up, box and all. By the time he'd thrown the CRV in reverse, turned around to head back home, they were yanking on their chains in his rear view, tugging at the merry-go-round they had probably spent all night spinning on, hoping they could somehow turn back time and get healthy again grow up before they nod their own arms off to escape such an unfair fate. See, Dahmer disease turned you cannibal, and so far the CDC had only documented child infections. Adults were only safe as how much distance they could keep from children, even if that meant running from parenthood or locking Junior in the basement without tater tots for dinner. The term Happy Meal took on a whole different meaning these days. Thump! Jude eases down on the brake and dials the radio volume to zero. The road ahead twists back on itself like scoliosis, not much time to peel his eyes away without kissing a tree, hitting a rut. But still, he has to make sure that thump didn't come from the crate. Crawling along at a muddy ten miles per hour, Jude cranes his neck as far back as he can without pulling a full Regan, hears only pebbles pelting the undercarriage, sees only cheap wood. Was that you? He thinks shakes off the notion and squares himself back into driving position, 
tows the gas down to getting somewhere speed. Yumph! Jude slams on the brakes and throws it in park. No way that was a stone. It was thump, thump. He clicks the seatbelt, lets it slide slowly back across his chest, stares in the rear view, sees nothing but the square silhouette of the crate blocking the hatch window. He was instructed not to speak to it under any circumstance, but that doesn't mean he can't listen. He kills the engine and slinks deep into his seat and does just that. Listens. It's me, he hears, loud and clear this time. No mistaking it for pebbles or the radiator fan. Help. This is a joke, he thinks. A really expensive joke. He leans back and feels along the front end of the crate, questing for some kind of hidden camera or microphone. A red blipping light laughing at him. Very funny, Stranger Things kid. Thump, thump. Harder this time. Sounds like the wood is cracked or splintered, like the entire crate may have moved across the interior a few inches. Stop, Jude says, like praying for the end credits of a nightmare. And it does. For five uninterrupted minutes, Jude sits in silence with the crate. Would sit longer if not for the message on his dash app warning him that the drop-off is tipping toward late. Down to two stars now, he thinks. And... Regardless of what he hears, what might be a child's voice coming from the crate, police sirens, or a nuclear fallout callout, he's going to get this damn crate where it's supposed to go. Throws it in drive, no seatbelt, radio twisted up to 11, windows down, Jude floors it. What? He screams as he takes every hairpin turn like Andretti. Can't hear you back there, too busy racing to the playground, round and round you go. And while the radio is blasting death metal and the wind is white shark noise to his waxy doldrums and he screams to where his throat feels like two strips of sandpaper macking, Jude knows the crate is still talking, thumping, trying to con him. He just knows it. Seven minutes later, his dash app now happily messaging him that the drop-off is looking early. Jude arrives at what he thought would be a playground, only it isn't anymore. It's more like a circus minus the big top tent, plus the crankbox music that drives you to the edge of madness. Same muddy clearing surrounded by familiar trees, much like the glance he'd gotten at the D&D pickup site. But the merry-go-round has been replaced by a carousel. Sixteen rain-glossy steeds racing time. Sixteen Dahmer-diseased children riding them, chained at bobbing poles. What would the crate have to say about this? Jude is too afraid to ask it to roll the windows up and turn the music down and the engine off, to give whatever's in the casket an open ear. If he does that, makes an airtight space to better hear the impish voice from inside the thumping crate, he knows it will try and con him into helping it. He'd seen it before on some old Twilight Zone episode, the one where the devil talks his way out of prison. It all makes sense now. The instructions, the hazmat suit, the chained Dahmer kids, the people at D&D laboratories are running live trials, using different kinds of meat to get their experimental drugs into infected children. He, Jude, is an important cog in the race to cure them all, a reverse getaway driver. What he needs to do is kill the lights before they rile up the kids like last time, roll the windows up and turn the radio off and pop the hatch, get this chum out to the sharks before he changes his mind, loses his nerve.
Jude does all that in a rush, then slides the crate out the back hatch and starts dragging it through the mud to the carousel, which, oddly enough, seems to be slowing down. Not that he can tell by looking at it. His back is turned, but by the gradual waning sound of its grinding rotation and the distortion of its hop-along song. The rain picks up and pecks at his head through his hoodie, thumping high-function thoughts flatter than pavement. It's me, Daddy, the voice from inside the crate croons. Liar. Wet chains slide around like well-oiled serpents behind him. The Dahmer kids dismounting as their never-ending round and round finally comes to a rusty halt. And then those same chains snap taut when Jude backs closer to the carousel. Maybe his foggy glasses, smoked nearly white from all that mask breathing, are to blame for what he's seeing in his periphery. But the cage to the right of him has a dead tiger inside. And to his left, the hollowed-out stomach of a tuskless felled elephant, its enormous ribcage glinting slick ivory. You're just tired, he reassures himself. Get paid and walk away and catch the kid before he crashes. He double times the dragging, gets the crate to where he figures, with a little work and some Reed Richards action, the Dahmer kids can reach it. They'll eat me, Daddy. They'll eat me all up. Kiddo? It can't be. Remember the devil. The instructions. Rod Serling. Fuck off. Jude swings the crate around with all his strength in the direction of the carousel and falls hard on his side in the mud. The crate teeters, spins once, and lands sideways with a wet suction splash. Daddy! A small fist punches through the crate, grasping at the falling rain for aid. Then a shoulder and half a face, a head of dirty blonde hair. The kid is crouched now, half in the crate, half out, wood splinters like chips of eggshell falling off his shoulders, ready to stand and take his first breath and be eaten alive. Jude scrambles to his feet, finger swiping at his glasses for a better view of the Dahmer sharks to see if they can reach this child now standing in the middle of the broken crate. This child who, for a painfully long split second, looks exactly like, kiddo? Jude's baby son turns to face him, says, I don't want to go round and round. I don't want to, Daddy. It's cold. Screw the rain, the mud, the Dahmer sharks, the glasses slipping off my face, the mask, the car, the biggest payout of all. The kid is supposed to be asleep. What the hell is he doing here? How the hell could I let this happen? What the fuck? Jude rushes to his maybe son. No, not maybe. For certain this time. And reaches out and lets the soaking wet rug rat cling to his chest like a parasite. Mommy! The kid screams in Jude's ear, and that scream is completely unfamiliar to him now. Totally foreign. A wasp leaving its grub behind for him to raise. To save. To take home to Marcy like some changeling child who will eventually ruin their lives. Jude manages to peel the child off his chest. Holds it by the shoulders. Inspects it. This is not his child. Not kiddo. It's a child, for sure. Someone's child, but not his. The kid screams, Mommy! Again, when he hears, turns, then sees the Dahmer children closing in. One of the children, a girl with a red clown nose and pigtails, takes hold of the far end of the crate and starts pulling it toward the carousel for her sibs to reach. The child, who is not Jude's, grabs hold of his hoodie and pulls too. 
Get off, Jude thinks, but doesn't say. I gotta get paid. Gotta get home to my own. I'm sorry. Jude lets his glasses slip the rest of the way off his face and fall in the mud. Can't bring himself to look, to see the carousel clearly. The catch draws his little mossy oak and slashes at the child's arms until it lets go of his hoodie, until it falls back into the crate from whence it came. It's a terrible thought, race for the cure, but Jude can't help himself from thinking it, repeating it like a protective mantra the whole slip-sloppy way to the CRV. He starts the engine, hears chains rattling, a gurgle, twists the radio up to 11 again and bounces, doesn't even look in the rear view. Jude wakes up on the couch, cotton-mouthed and still wearing the wet clothes he dashed in last night. Bad memory sticky, he thinks, rolls off the couch in pads, squinty-eyed to the outlet by the coffee maker, the one he always charges his cell on. One reminds him of the other, a connection, caffeine and the sound of orders still coming in. It's 11 a.m., and by the complete lack of sound in their mostly unpaid-for home, he can tell that Marcy and the kid are gone already. Off to the... Circus? Yeah, that's it. That's why he'd spent all night dashing in the rain, pulled in just as the sun was coming up. That child, that poor fucking child he'd... No, he hadn't. There's no way he'd cut a child, let alone push it into a crowd of hungry Dahmer kids. It was a crate, that's all. A statue inside a life-size gnome. He checks his cell, notices that he'd already used the fast pay option on his Dash app to cash out last night, transfer that well-earned 500 to a debit card he'd left on the counter for Marcy. Popcorn and cotton candy. He'd completely missed the look on their faces. That was fine. He'd see them when they got back, when they were all pooped out. He peels his hoodie off and heads for the can, takes his cell along for the ride. There's just one thing he can't seem to shake, and it has nothing to do with the can. Something's missing, like he left a piece of his own body out in the sticks last night, like he just can't see straight without it. He pulls his mossy oak out, and there's a small streak of blood on it, apparently still wet. He runs the blade under the hot water, dries it off with TP, and tosses the TP in the trash, puts the knife away. It was a child he'd pushed out into the jaws of death last night. The blood is proof. Maybe not first degree, but manslaughter. Child slaughter, if that's a thing. Not just for a big payout, though. He won't let that small detail hamper his hopes of becoming father of the year. He did it for science, for a cure, for all the Dahmer kids spinning on merry-go-rounds in the night. He did it for Marcy and the kid, the lights, his cell rings. Speak of the devil. It's Marcy. Hey. Hi, Daddy. Kiddo? Yeah. That same carousel music in the background as well. Nothing to worry about, he thinks. They are at the circus, and there's bound to be some kind of carousel music going on. Where's Mom? In the garage. A slight pause on Jude's end. Then, you mean the big top tent? Yeah, I think so. You're alone? No. You're in the tent with Mom, then? No, I'm with the clown. <laughs> Kiddo giggles 
She's not very funny, though. Oh, a girl clown. Yeah. Put mom on the phone. She's busy. Doing what? Making pee, I think. She's just in the restroom, he thinks, his blood pressure finally dropping a notch. Although why the kid thinks a restroom is the same thing as the big top tent, he'll never know. You having fun? Lots. Did you see any animals yet? I think the tiger is dead. You mean sleeping? I don't know. Maybe just lazy. Or tired. Yeah. There's a long silence where the only thing Jude can hear is that damn carousel music. And chains. Kiddo? Yeah? Do they have an elephant? No. What's that sound then? I don't know. I just called to say I love you, Daddy. Thank you. And Jude's heart melts on the spot. The spot being the can with his sweats around his ankles. I love you too. And you're welcome. Kiddo? Yeah? Tell Mom to call me as soon as she gets out of the big top. We go round and round, Daddy. Huh? Okay. Bye. Kid click. I did it for the kid, he says, not sure if he did anymore. He wipes, pulls his sweats up, and reaches for the air freshener. When his dash app dings. D&D ratings in. Four stars. Not bad. Not bad at all. He can't believe they gave him anything over two. Out of sheer curiosity, Jude checks the full review of the services he provided last night. The missing star is due to not following instructions, not following one instruction in particular. Driver was instructed to make no contact. Below that, a personal note. We found your glasses, Daddy. That was S.H. Mansouri's No Contact Delivery, is read by Jesse Holt. Little is known about Jesse Holt, though rumors have circulated that he was found frozen within a 20,000-year-old ice formation during an Arctic oil drilling expedition. This is purely speculation, of course, as the official records state that the entire staff of the camp perished in what was described at the time as the most savage polar bear attack in history, judging by the mutilated and partially consumed corpses that littered the snow. Strangely, no bear tracks were found. Today, Jesse is a voice actor and tour guide with a passion for travel, and he's always happy to meet new victims, uh, friends. You can find him on Twitter at Jesse Holt Voice or on his website at jesseholtvoice.com. Thank you, Jesse. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Kathy Robinson and Amanda Gottfried, 
whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks like ad-free and extended episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Now you can share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch. TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Tee Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing, so check back often. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Borgenstern, Andrew Gibson, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we beg the voice in the drain for more Tales to Terrify. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.